This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We started a series a couple of weeks ago on uh, that we've entitled Financial Freedom for the Last Days. And it's a, a series that's been on my heart for a little bit, a uh, couple of months as a matter of fact. And, uh, and the Lord really put something on my heart while I was uh, studying and meditating on some of these things and some of the things that, uh, that we would say. Um, specifically, he said, renew the people's, he said, teach the people that they might renew their mind to wealth. Now, that's kind of a touchy subject nowadays. Because the rich are evil people. Everything about politics, everything about the culture is, is going toward the rich versus the poor and that kind of stuff. And, and it, it kind of makes it difficult uh, for some people. I, I don't fall into that category. But it makes it difficult for some people because they're real interested in people liking them. And they want to be thought well of by other people and, and that kind of thing. I gave up on that a long time ago. And uh, but there, there's no question that there's a there's a backlash in our current society against those that have wealth against the rich. And that word is thrown around a lot nowadays. The fact is, God said he would make you part of that category, part of that group of people. So what are we supposed to do? Well, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to take what the Bible says is mine. Because I'm not interested in being rich just for myself and just to see how much I can get. I'm interested to be rich because it takes finances to get the gospel across, uh, around the world. And that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do before Jesus comes back. And folks, however long you think, and, and I, you know, we can all speculate and all give our reasons for it. However long it takes for Jesus to come back, I personally don't see how things can keep going the way they're going for an extended period of time. And I don't know what that means, how long that means. You know, are we talking five years? Are we talking ten years? Are we talking twenty years? I have no idea. But whatever that period of time is, is our window to reach the world. If we wait until Jesus comes and then say, Oh, darn, I wish we had done more. Then we're going to miss out on people going to heaven. And they're going to spend eternity in hell. So for that reason, and being in the ministry, knowing how church works, knowing how ministry works... I know very, very well, maybe, maybe you're not acquainted with things and how, how it goes, and, and that would be fine. I'm not trying to teach you or trying to school you in anything, but I know from being in the ministry that preaching the gospel is a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. It should be simple so that all we have to do is teach the truth and everybody would hear. The fact is, they don't hear unless you've got the finances to put the truth in front of them. Putting a sign out saying, we've got the truth, we're a church, that doesn't cut it. So it takes finances to reach the world. And that's the reason God wants to make you rich. Actually, that's an incorrect statement. God does not want to make you rich. God has made you rich. And that's the reason for it. Isaiah 55. Have you found it yet? Isaiah 55. We'll start in verse 8. God says through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah speaking on behalf of God, he said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, folks, there's only one of two opportunities, one of two possibilities with these verses of Scripture for us to conclude. Either God is thumbing his nose at us saying, I think higher than you do and my ways are higher than you do, than your ways are. And there's no way you can ever figure them out or no way you can ever know them. Nah, 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 nah. Either that or he's trying to make a point so that we can understand his thoughts and his ways. That's the only two possibilities there are. 
So which is it? Is he thumbing his nose at us saying, I'm higher than you, you're nothing? Or is he trying to get across to us, here's how you can know what I'm thinking. Here's how you can know what I do. Well, let's read on and see. He goes on in verse uh, verse 10. He says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may bring seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. So what is he saying? The context is in verses 8 and 9, My thoughts and my ways. So what's he saying? He's saying if you're going to know my thoughts, you're going to have to know the word. He said if you want to know my ways, you're going to find out only one way you can find out, not through experience, not through feelings. Only way you can find out God's thoughts and God's ways is from his word. And then he tells us the word is like the rain. They both come from heaven. They both come down from heaven. That means the book you're holding. How many of you got your Bibles with you this morning? Lift them up and wave them. Make the devil mad, as John Osteen used to say. That book you're holding is not just ink and paper. The words that that ink and paper represent or reveal to us is inspired from heaven. You know why Christians don't walk in the blessings of God in any area? You can pick your area, whether it's healing. Why is there a controversy in the body of Christ about whether healing is for today or not? Because people haven't accepted the truth of the word. Why do Christians not walk in the blessings, the degree of blessings that God intends for them and Jesus paid for them to have? Because they don't think God's thoughts in the area of finances. That's what this is all about, folks, to get you thinking right where finances are concerned. Because if you think right, you'll believe right. You believe right, you'll receive. Now turn back with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 tells us a story about uh, God appearing to to, uh, Abraham, the man that he made the first covenant with. The one that the Bible says we have the same blessing as him. The blessing of Abraham is, is ours through Jesus. So let's look a little bit at Abraham and talk about the blessing of the Lord. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, this is before God changed his name to Abraham. He said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. Now here's the promises. He says, if you will go where I tell you to go. So the first thing he says is, I need you to obey me on something. Right? I need you to do what I tell you to do. That's obedience. You go where I tell you to go. Follow me. And here's what I'll do for you. Number one, I will make of you a great nation. That has to do with children. Abram was 75 years old at this point in time, and he didn't have any children. He's um, uh, on the, the upper end of the childbearing years, as you would well imagine. Things were a little different back then as they are now, apparently. But he doesn't have any children, and so God says, I will make of thee a great nation. He does not say, I will give you a child. He says, I will make of you a great nation. He says, I'll start something new with you. Secondly, he said, and I will bless thee. Now, the word bless means to, to kneel down. The word picture is as a king would kneel down to someone of lower estate to provide something for them or to show them a kindness or something like that. That's what this word bless means. It's also used for us to bless God in, uh, in, uh, the, the, uh, in the respect that we show gratitude to God who was the king in the word picture, the God who was the king that, that showed kindness to us, we show our gratitude for that kindness. But that's what the word blessed means. It just, it's, a, it's a general word. It's, a, it's a, a generic word, if you will. It just means God says, I will do things for you. That's all it means. 
So he says, I will make of you a great nation, number one. Number two, I will bless thee. And number three, uh, make thy name great. Now, the make thy name great has to do with the blessing. In other words, he'll say, I will bless you to such a degree that everybody will recognize that you're something different. So really, that's all part of the same one. I will bless you and make your name great. And the third thing that he promises him is, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, this word blessing is interesting because it literally means, um, well, let me read to you from the Strong's off of my um, off my iPad here. It says it means benediction. Well, that doesn't mean anything to us. But by implication, it means prosperity, blessing. They use the same word to define it. Liberal, pool, or present. Literally what he's saying to Abraham he said, is that blessing that makes your name great will give you a pool of resources so that you can help other people. Now notice the three things that God said to him. Here's the blessing of Abraham. He said, I'll make, you a, make of you a great nation. He's talking about descendants. Now, folks, the Jews think this is them. And it's not. We know that from Galatians chapter 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. God's plan always was for the blessing of of Abraham to be to those who made Jesus the Lord of their lives. Galatians 3.29 says, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That means this is the promise that he's making to you, not to the Jewish nation, not to the natural descendants of Abraham. This is a promise that's made to the church, to the Christian. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. He said to pray that the will of God would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now we're talking about healing, so let's ask the question, what's the will of God concerning healing in heaven? Is there any sickness in heaven? Then Jesus is saying that they, the disciples, should pray that the will of God in every area, including healing and sickness, should be done here on the earth just like it is in heaven. That would mean, therefore, for the people of God that they be free from sickness because that's exactly the way it's going to be when we get to heaven. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Proverbs chapter 10. We just saw that God said, I will bless you. Go where I tell you to go. If you'll obey me, go where I tell you to go. Then I will bless you. And I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. In other words, that, that being blessed will cause you to have a pool of resources. Now in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22, notice what... Uh, The Holy Ghost is telling us here, it says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. Now, folks, you need to know right off the bat, before we get into some of the details of the words and and that kind of stuff, please notice there 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 are riches that have sorrow attached to them. The world's way of getting rich never makes anybody happy. That's why you got people that are, that are rich and depressed, famous and depressed, all the kind of things that they pursue all their lives, they get it, and then they want to kill themselves. Why? Because the world in and of itself, and in and of uh, just what it has, the world's goods by themselves, trying to get it the world's way, never provides any satisfaction. Money will never satisfy anybody. Never. 
That's why there's always a proving time before the blessing of God is realized in your life. Because if you don't realize first and foremost that God's the important thing and the things of God are the important things rather than the things of this world, the things of the world will be a curse to you rather than a blessing. That's why the Bible says the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Who is the fool? The fool is the person that thinks that the things of the world are the important issue rather than God himself. But you get rich because God makes you rich. How does you how does that happen? By putting the things of God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6.33 says, you put the things of God first and let God bring blessings into your life. There's no sorrow to those. Then it's, then it's a real blessing because you, you've got things in the right priority. You're not pursuing things. You're pursuing God and he's adding things to you. So notice Proverbs 10.22. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Well, if we put these two things together, then if God says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, I will bless you, then then if Proverbs 10.22 is accurate and is true, then that means Abraham is going to be made rich. Right? Before we go back to Genesis, let's see what this means. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the blessing, this word blessing is the same word that he said that Abraham would be. And I will make thee a blessing in Genesis chapter 12. It's the word that means uh, blessing, liberal, pool, or present. But let's look at the word rich. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. This word rich means, uh, let me just read it straight off of, the, of Strong's definition. To accumulate, chiefly or specifically to grow, causatively to make rich, to become, make, or wax rich. God wants you to accumulate things. He doesn't want you to love things. He wants you to be able to have them because you put him first. Now, some people are going to hear this, and because of the mindset they have, they're going to say, oh, Pastor Mike, is he's just preaching greed. No, I'm not talking about greed at all. See, a person that's rich because God blessed them will give anything away. A greedy person, no matter what they have, will hold on to everything they've got. They don't have to be rich. They don't have to have a lot. A greedy person, greed has nothing to do with the amount. You remember Jesus sat over against the treasury one time during his ministry? It was right before he went to the cross, actually. It was in the last days before he went to the cross. He sat over against the treasury, and the Bible says he watched how people cast their money in. He watched how they did it. And it says many people came in that put a lot of money in. But there was one widow. The one person he singled out was the widow that took the two mites, the two pennies in our experience. It would be the same as two pennies. And put those two pennies in, and Jesus says she gave everything she had. Greed has nothing to do with the mount, ever. It has to do with attitude. So don't buy this stuff that the rich are greedy, because there's some people at least that have gotten rich because God blessed them. Okay, so if the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it, then we ought to see something in Genesis about Abraham. We ought to see the results in Abraham's life, right? Genesis chapter 13. We'll start in verse 1. It said, And Abram went up out of Egypt. In other words, he's obeying God, going where God tells him to go. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had. And Lot was with him under the south, into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. Now, you can't find any evidence that Abram was rich before God spoke to him. If he had been, why wouldn't have Abraham had said, Well, I'm already rich. What do I need anything from you? 
Why would he have followed him? Why would he have said, yeah, this sounds like a good deal? He would have said, I'm not going anywhere. This is where I got rich. This is where I've got all my stuff. I'm not leaving anywhere. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 26, I think it is, when they're looking for a son for Isaac. And the servant that goes to find Isaac's wife, (laughs) things have changed a lot, haven't they? The servant that goes to find Isaac's wife, the son that he has, find Isaac's wife, says, the Lord made my master rich. The servants are aware of how, how these riches came. The Lord has made my master rich. I'm not sure if I've got the right reference there. Genesis 26, where Isaac sows in the land. It may be chapter 24. I'm not sure what it is. Anyway, the servant says, identifies that God was the one that made Abraham rich. So Abraham was very rich in silver and cattle and gold. Now, some people want to spiritualize this. Some people want to say, well, we're spiritually rich. Okay. I'm not going to argue with that statement. We are spiritually rich, but are you saying the blessing of the Lord is only spiritual now? It's not natural. That would be saying that God cared more about their material well-being in the Old Testament as servants than he cares about his children's material well-being today. Is that true for you? You care more about the people that work for you than than your children? Not me. I want the best for my children, just like you do. I want to provide for my children in every way I can. I want my children to miss out on all the bad stuff and the wrong stuff and the trouble that I had by teaching them the truth of the word and showing them how to avoid those things. Oh, if they would only listen. (laughs) That's what we want for our kids, though, isn't it? Well, isn't God as good a parent as we are? Well, sure he is. Fast forward to Deuteronomy chapter 28. 430 years goes by. Moses comes along and God is giving the, the people have multiplied. Most of that multiplication has taken place in um, uh, uh, most of the population growth has taken place while they've been in bondage in Egypt. And the reason they went in bondage to Egypt because they didn't do what Abraham set the example for. They didn't obey God. So Moses comes along and God gives the, his uh, people, the, descendants, the natural descendants of Abraham, a law to keep. They couldn't keep it, but he gave them a, a guideline. He gave them the commandments that they were responsible for. Now, Moses is going off the scene in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's his farewell address. Actually, most of the book of Deuteronomy is his farewell address. And he's warning the people. He's been uh, pastoring, shepherding these people, leading these people for 40 years in the wilderness. A couple of years before that, before they had disobeyed God and went into the wilderness. He knows how, how difficult these people are. He's seen all the plagues that happened because the people murmured against him and against God. He's seen all the terrible, terrible things that have happened. He knows who these people are. So he's warning them. He spends a lot of time warning them. So in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he codifies or summarizes everything that's necessary for them to walk in the blessing of Abraham. Here's the blessing that God gave to Abraham and said the same blessing would be available for all of his natural descendants. Here's what you have to do. Here's what it takes. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass that if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all of his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings, here's that same word blessing that we've seen before. It means the liberal pool and blessing, the presence from God. All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Notice they catch you, you don't have to chase them. 
Well, what, if we're not chasing the blessings, Pastor Mike, what are we chasing? We're chasing God. We're chasing obedience to God's word. We put the word first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying the same thing that Moses said. Because the Holy Ghost inspired them both. These blessings will catch you. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Folks, the Bible is the voice of the Lord thy God. If you hearken unto the word. In other words, if you renew your mind unto what the word says, if you think and believe what the Bible says instead of what the world tells you, these are the things that will happen. Clearly, the church has not done that. You can look at the condition of the church and see very clearly that we're not walking in these blessings as we should. So what does that mean? That means we need to change our thinking and change what we're believing. So he says, all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake you if you hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. God seems to have you covered all, all the way through whatever you do in the field. Then he says, blessed shall be your basket and your store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before your face. They'll come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. He's talking about victory, isn't he? He's saying, hearkening unto the voice of the Lord will bring you victory. Not only will it bring you material possessions, it'll put you on top in whatever battle you're in. Verse 8, the Lord shall command the blessing. Please notice that phrase. He shall command the blessing. He shall command the blessing. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word command literally means an appointed thing. God appoints. He says, here's what I'll do. Hey, can, can anybody ever find anything God said he'd do and he didn't do it? I mean, just one thing that he said he was going to do and he didn't do it. Never in the history of mankind. So when he says he's going to do something, all we have to do is do our part, and you can count it done. He says, I will command the blessing. Now, what is this blessing? This is the very same thing that he said to Abraham. He said, I will bless you. So he's saying, if you will obey, Moses is telling the children of Israel, if you'll obey just like Abraham obeyed, you keep the law just like Moses, or just like uh, Abraham went where God told him to go. Folks, it's not a hard thing. It's just a matter of doing what the Bible says. He says, if you'll do these things, I'll command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. Now, the word storehouses means barn. God said he'll command the blessings on your storehouses. That presupposes that God expects you to have one, doesn't it? God didn't say, and I'll cause a barn to material, you know, to miraculously appear or materialize. No, he says, I'll command the blessings upon your storehouses. He expects you to have a storehouse. Now, what does storehouse mean? That means God doesn't expect you to live hand to mouth day to day. Depending on how big your storehouse is. I mean, your storehouse takes care of not today's needs, but tomorrow's needs. He said, I'll command the blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all that thou settest thy hand unto. He said he'll bless whatever you put your hand to. And notice that God didn't say that that'll just happen. He said, I'll command the blessing upon it. I will command the blessing upon whatever you put your hand to. Now, folks, if we just stopped right here, how in the world could anybody that objectively see, I mean, forget the religious training, forget all the stuff that we've been told about how this is not for us, it's just for the Jews, this is not for today, all that other kind of stuff. If we just stopped right here, how could you possibly think that God doesn't want you to have more than enough? Yet that's what the modern-day church thinks. 
Why? Because we're not accepting what the Bible says. He says, I'll command the blessing upon whatever you put your hand to. It's almost like God leaves it up to you. You pick something. I'll bless it. Now, I personally believe that there's a, there's a real, um, an added increase when you follow the leading of the Lord to whatever you put your hand to. But he doesn't even bring that out in this case. He just said, if you hearken to the voice of the Lord. Well, what voice of the Lord do they have? The only thing they've got is the law of Moses. That's it. At this point in time, they've got the first four books of the Old Testament. Moses is writing book number five now. That's all they got. It's the law. But he says, if you follow that, if you follow just that, he says, I'll command the blessing upon your barns, your storehouses, and whatever you put your hand to. In other words, he's saying, you follow me and you can't fail. Oh, but Pastor Mike, I have failed so many times. Well, I've had some too. But you know what? I look back at those failures. Those were not God's fault. Those were my fault because I either didn't prepare myself or I didn't believe the right thing or I didn't get the leading of God before I went into it. Okay, well, I've learned how to fix those problems. So I'm not failing anymore. Verse 9, the Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of thee. Can I ask you a question? What are they supposed to see? Oh, they're supposed to see that we're just full of light inside. (laughs) That we just love everybody. Seriously, what are they supposed to see? That we're broke, that we're impoverished, that we don't have anything, and we want the rich people to come join us. Oh, serving God is so hard. Give your heart to Jesus and come be like us. Seriously? Who is that supposed to reach? That doesn't seem to be God's attitude. He said the people of the earth shall see something about you. Well, what are they supposed to see? He just said that he'll bless whatever you put your hand to. He said he'll cause your enemies to be defeated. He's supposed to see that you win. They're supposed to see that you win. I seem to be getting a lot more out of this than you are. (laughs) Verse 11. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. I wonder if that has anything to do with what people are supposed to see. Folks, I would submit to you, if these things are true, you decide for yourself. I've already decided for me. But you decide for yourself. If these things are true, I would submit to you that there has never been a better time in the history of America for people to be able to see the difference between the church and the world. When God first appeared to Abraham, he made several promises to him. But to get his attention and to help him understand how involved he would be in his life, He first promised to make him rich. The blessing of the Lord, the same blessing that belonged to Abraham, belongs to you and me. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Love covers a multitude of sins, the Bible says. It overlooks a lot of things that are done wrong to it. You know, it's interesting because the Bible talks about grace and mercy together in a lot of places. 
You know what grace is? Grace is where God gives you what you don't deserve. You know what mercy is? Mercy is where God doesn't give you what you do deserve. And the love of God is both gracious and merciful. God gives you what you don't deserve, and He doesn't give you what you do deserve. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.